to Self Podcast. I have such an exciting and deep, powerful episode for you guys today. And it's a conversation that I had with my friend Tay Lauren, and it is awesome. It is a very long episode, so I hope you guys are into that kind of thing. When I was first getting ready to record with Tay, I told her, you know, we usually go about an hour or so, and she kind of giggled, and she told me that in the past episodes that she's recorded for other people's podcasts, it tends to go way over that time limit. And so I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to let it go as long as it needs to for us to get everything out that is in our minds and in our hearts. And yeah, everything that's asking to come through. And that is exactly what happened. We talked for almost three hours and all of it was gold. So I hope that you will listen all the way through, even if that means breaking it up into 17 different parts. I trust that you will do what's right for you, but I really hope that this conversation lands deeply within you and that you are able to extract all of the nuggets and wisdom and apply it to your own journey wherever you are. Tay is an amazing human being that I have actually never met in person, but we'll get into this in the in the conversation where I tell her that I feel like I've known her for a lot longer than I actually have. And there's something really special about that when you actually connect with people on a deeper level where your walls are down and their walls are down it doesn't take time it doesn't take a lot of effort to feel like you are really seeing each other and that's that's the experience I've had with Tay and just connecting with her online so I'm gonna leave the introduction to her and let her actually give you the full depth of her journey and how she's gotten to where she is today but Tay is Tay is an amazing facilitator. She does a lot of self-mastery, self-healing work, and works with a lot of different kinds of people. Her main program is a 90-day mentorship program called Leadership Accelerator. And again, I'm going to let her explain exactly what that is. And she also does really in-depth one-on-one coaching. So I am going to add all of her links and accounts below in the show notes so that you can go ahead and follow her and check out her work. And if you're interested in and diving deeper with her you will have all of the links to find a way to connect with her but I'm going to leave it at that I don't want to make the intro too long because this episode is already long enough but I love you guys I'm so grateful that you are here thank you for being a part of this experience and allowing us to dive deep and any feedback that you have please reach out I'm always excited to hear from you enjoy the show all right, we are live. Hi, Tay. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. It has been a long time coming, um, and I'm excited to get into all the work that you do, how we connected, that whole story. But instead of me doing an introduction for you, I'd rather you just tell us a little bit about yourself, the work that you do, and Tell us some of your story, like your background. I'll like I'll leave it open to you, whatever you want to tell us or how far back you want to go. But yeah, just give us some insight into who Tay is and what it is you do here. <laughs> it's hilarious that you're asking me this question because physiologically what's happening happening in my body right now is my heart immediately started to race and I started to lose my breath a little bit not because of the podcast container, but because 
being an entrepreneur and having this question asked of like, what do you do? Especially in the beginning phases of entrepreneurship can sometimes feel really heavy depending on who it's coming from. And my nervous system has almost been trained to be activated by this question. Um, I have a very traditional family. So um, <laughs> there's some nervousness present right here. And I think that just calling it out and allowing it to be okay is the first step and just moving through that. Absolutely. And starting off with your question, I think the best place to start is I started this path of spirituality and going deep into myself when I was 14 years old. And I've always grown up kind of resisting the systems that I was being put in, whether that was school, whether that was reading a book that I didn't like, whether that was someone else telling me that I needed to do something that didn't come from my own sovereign choice. And although I feel like that's a very common thread in entrepreneurship, I didn't, at the time, I just didn't know what that resistance was. And I grew up thinking that was wrong, that I didn't want to be in school or that I didn't want to read books. Like I remember my mom taking me to the library when I was little and I'm like, I fucking hate books. I don't like books. I don't like reading. And the reason I didn't like reading now that I have hindsight is because there were, everyone else was choosing my teachers and choosing the knowledge and choosing my experiences and choosing everything for me. And over time, like we all do, start to lose sight of our deep-seated desires based on what is innate truth for our own self. And this concept of coming home to self, it's like we live in a Western world that conditions you to be anything other than that and be in a space that is anything other than that. And like many of us do when we're growing up in a Western society where something is so normalized, you begin to feel like everything that you're experiencing and everything that you're feeling is wrong. And I remember, I guess my journey of spirituality actually started when I overdosed on edibles at a school field trip when I was like 13 or 14. And- Please <laughs> tell me more. Yeah. And I always start with this story and it's because it's so unexpected and it, but it was the catalyst to my spiritual journey. And again, I was 13, 14, did a bun did like some edibles with my friends at a school field trip. It was like a sophomore tradition to be doing them. And so we're all going on this bus. And I remember thinking, this doesn't feel like weed. This feels like something more than that. And long story short, we end up all seven girls who took them were all projectile vomiting at the beach. And the paramedics had to come. My parents had to pick me up. And the first thing that my mom said was, the only thing that you're allowed to do for the next three months is go to yoga. And I was like, got it. What a great and mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. 
And at that time, all I was doing was going to parties, uh, drinking, you know, blacking out three times a week, thinking that a substance outside of myself could activate a part of me that I somehow didn't have without that thing. So codependency, whether that was with weed or with alcohol or with men. And that was kind of the container that I was in before this shocked my, like turned my entire world around 180. And so I started going to yoga at 6 a.m. I would wake up at 5 a.m. every single morning. I would get ready. I would walk to the yoga studio, which was like a mile and a half away. I would take 6 a.m. yoga. I would shower, walk to school, go to school, leave school early, go to the yoga studio, take a class, work for three hours, and then take another class Wow! because I wanted to get free yoga. And my mom, it was kind of like a fuck you to my mom in a sense, because I was like, oh, you said I can only go to yoga. Well, I'm inviting my friends to yoga. (laughs) So I'm getting social time during this. And what was unexpected, though, at the time was the more I started going to yoga, the more I started to release unfelt emotions and all of these paradigms that I was living in before this thing happened and my codependency with everything outside of myself. And so it sparked this yoga penetrated through all of my armor and it got to the core of my being. And it allowed me to look at the core of my being and communicate with it and really ask it, like, what do you actually want? Do you actually want these friends? Do you actually want this environment? Do you actually want the things that you're so deeply attached to? And the answer was no. And it took a few years for that breakthrough to actually land like I was For a little bit, I was living in both worlds at the same time once the three months was over. Um, But after six months, my yoga teacher was like, you need to go to yoga teacher training. And I'm like, okay, how much is it? And she's like, it's $4,000 and it's in Boston. And I grew up in California. So when I was 14, I flew across the country alone and I'd I'd never been to Boston. I stayed on the couch of a Princeton graduate's house and or a stayed on the couch of a Princeton graduate's apartment Mm -hmm. and it was right across the street from where the yoga training was and I stayed there for a month and it changed the course of my entire life and I skipped the SAT to go to trainings with this institute I skipped very important school weeks just to go to trainings to travel to Utah, New York, and Sedona, and throughout from sophomore year to senior year, I was traveling with this institute constantly and dropping everything just to pursue that. And um, just realized by the time, like had this deep knowing in my body that I don't want my teachers to be chosen for me. I want to choose my teachers. So going to college was something that I felt like I had to do. I went to SBCC for about six months and then dropped out and realized why am I trying to be a nurse if I don't actually believe in Western medicine? And 
Nope. And not that I don't believe in Western medicine, uh, but I don't fully stand by it. And I think that Western medicine and Eastern medicine should be married, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so I dropped out and started my business and hired all of the mentors that I could possibly have. But I've been blessed to have really, really beautiful teachers in my life who have shown me the path of ancient Buddhism and somatics and psychedelic integration and just integration in general and all these different modalities of healing, of transformation, of really just stripping away everything that isn't us and coming back to the core of who we are. So that's I guess a good way to put my journey but the the overdosing on edibles is like a core that that's what started this all and I just became obsessed with learning about all of these different concepts to bring us back home to ourselves and whatever that looks like and also just this the potentiality of community and the potentiality of surrounding yourself with humans that are deeply fulfilling because although that is a beautiful concept that is preached in the spiritual world left and right, it's a whole different experience to actually feel it in your bones and actually feel seen and actually feel like you can trust a person that you met an hour ago and how magical that feeling is to be fully accepted in your human experience, regardless of what that human experience is. Hmm. So. Yes. I thank you for sharing your story. It's so fun for me to, to just get to experience it and listen to you tell your story because for the listeners, just so you know, Tay and I have never actually met in person. We connected because of a course that we took online coach accelerator last year, I believe it was beginning of last year. And since we connected on social media, it has just felt like I have known you in person. Like we've actually connected more than we actually have. And that's a really special feeling that has been happening more and more to me. And like you mentioned, there's such, um, there's something so beautiful about doing this work and watching the, the ripple effects it has in your life and in your relationships, especially where you can meet someone and when your walls are down and you're willing to go there and you're willing to be seen and see the other person, the connection that can happen, whether that's through the internet or in person is so, it's so much more powerful than anything that I've experienced prior in my life, where it always took me multiple times of connecting with someone to truly feel seen and to see them because there was, it's like two egos just going at each other with all these layers in between Mm -hmm. kind of how I picture it. So that has been a really beautiful journey to just like connect online and, you know, talk back and forth every once in a while and support each other in that way. Um, but going back to your story, I think it's so beautiful that you, that your story started so early. You're only like, 24 right 25 23 23 it it blew my mind when I found (laughs) out your age because I'm 28 now and even for me I'm like I'm young to be doing this work you know and then for you I'm like holy shit and you started when you were 14 which makes Mm -hmm. so much sense for where you're at but like 
it's that's so rare and it's so beautiful yeah. to see what catalyzed that event and, and how far you've come and the work that you do now and how powerful it is again at such a young age. So I would love for you to tell the listeners more about the the company that you've started. Um, we'll talk about Ascend in a little bit, but I mean more about your coaching business and leadership yeah. accelerator and, and how that came to be. Cause um, there's something I want to ask you too, in regards to the work that you do, but I'll let you explain that first. Okay. So leadership accelerator was birthed in a time where I knew I wasn't using the toolbox that I had. So in a sense, it was holding me accountable in a fairly desperate and hopeless time of my life where there was a lot of trauma regarding my parental figures and my guardians on this planet. And both of them had, my, mo- my mother was a victim of a violent crime and was millimeters away from losing her life. And my father got diagnosed with stage four cancer in the same month as COVID. And I used those events as fuel to dive deeper into my spiritual practice because I knew that there were so many avenues that I could take to continue to numb myself, not to say that I didn't during that period. Um, I'm human, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but like there were so many different avenues that I could have taken, whether that was falling back into an eating disorder that I had as a teenager or going back to drinking or going back to isolating myself or all of these different patterns and coping mechanisms that we resort to. And I found a new coping mechanism, which was stuffing my head in my computer and working for 12 to 14 hours a day, which I didn't realize was a coping mechanism at the time. But a lot of that was really just using the depth of my human experience in the pain in the excruciating just yeah parts of my human experience to fuel transformation within myself and within other people and ultimately I was developing this system for people who had people who were starting to become aware or who were already aware of the layers that society and our parents and that anything that's external, all of the layers that get put on top of our highest way of being in the world. And that includes our conditioning and our subconscious and our shadow and um, our response to the trauma that we've experienced. And it was also my way of unraveling all of that myself. And I used all of the knowledge that I had from my teachers growing up to cultivate this methodology. And, but with what Leadership Accelerator actually is, is it is a self-healers program. Mm. It is a guide for people to self-heal and come back to themselves, which is so perfect that 
this is the name <laughs> and this is the name of your podcast because it's just there are so many gurus out there which I've experienced that guru mentality in some of my teachers as well where I got the line between me and them kind of got confused especially as an empath when they're teaching me something I feel like I have to adopt whatever they're teaching and make it my own instead of having a mentor that is literally a mirror and allows you to see yourself deeper versus allows you to see their wisdom deeper because ultimately that's where our biggest transformation and our biggest healing come comes from is going deep within ourselves in that way so providing somatic tools relationship tools relationship structures how to um it's really good for empaths too because I feel like we deal with a lot of these like energetic boundaries that we have to end up setting with ourselves and others and yeah it's a guide to self-healing it's a three-month accelerated guide to self-healing and methodology that I had to walk through the fire of it in the deepest way possible which was the perfect initiation into supporting others in that because it's like the moment that I called it leadership accelerator I was being called to become the greatest leader of my life and lead myself in the most powerful way possible so if you're listening to this and you're thinking about starting a group program called, you know, the the Liberated Being Accelerator or whatever it's called, trust that you will be guided through a deep initiation regarding exactly what you're teaching and it's going to be perfect. <laughs> I'm laughing because you just spoke my last year journey into existence basically you just explained <laughs> it so well because I last year after going through OCA I launched intuitive health accelerator and it went really well I you know took all the health coaching information that I had and I put it into this program and it went really well and then as soon as it ended I kind of like got rid of everything and was like, no, something is still not fully in alignment. Like, even though the work that I was doing, wasn't just focused on physical health, I was still marketing myself as that. And like bringing people in through, you know, gut health and, and this kind of identity I had created online. And the moment that I decided to drop all that, I was kind of laying there like, and I, I put it out there into the universe. I was like, please show me like what it is I'm meant to do. Like I am so deeply mm. fascinated and passionate about this inner work, but it's such a broad category and like, show me, show me what it is that I meant to, to do here. And since that moment, which was like last November until really, I mean, it's still happening, but I feel like I was, yeah, I was taken through that initiation of like, you get to be your own first student kind of thing. And mm -hmm. it's so true. It's like when you, when you embrace that and allow for that journey to, to start and you just let like life show you the way it's so powerful mm -hmm. to see how it's exactly laid out for your evolution and for the work that you're meant to bring. So it's really mm -hmm. beautiful to hear that that's been your experience as well with creating leadership accelerator and, the question I wanted to ask you next was why leadership? Because 
from my perspective, I, I, I can understand maybe, um, like the reason behind it and it is really powerful, but I'd love to hear your reasoning because this work, like I mentioned is so there's so many pieces to it, right? All of the self-healing self-discovery work, like there is so, there are so many pieces to the puzzle that are really powerful and they all kind of come together really beautifully. But I know that for me, one of the biggest struggles in, in like creating a program or, or a mentorship container has been choosing a focus point. And it's mm-hmm. not just about the title, because obviously, as you've mentioned, it's so much more than just leadership, but yeah. there is kind of a point of divergence where everything kind of comes together and it's, yeah, it's just a focus point that you use to then expand and everything kind of leads to this one mm-hmm. work. Um, and so I'd love to hear how you came to that and what it means to you really. Mm-hmm. Well, I first of all want to acknowledge your description of the initiation and how important that description is. It was bringing like water behind my eyes, thinking about how simultaneously beautiful and painful that initiation is. And I know initiation is like a huge buzzword right now, but it really does feel like that. Mm-hmm. And to have the hindsight while it's happening is the most powerful aspect of mm-hmm. any initiation is to realize like I trust that my experiences right now I'm going to be able to look back at them and say not necessarily like everything happens for a reason but like I see where that led me I think is a neutral way of putting that is uh, I see where that led me Mm-hmm. I see where all of that pain and all of that excruciating gut-wrenching shit that had to move through my human experience. I see where, like why I had to experience that. Mm-hmm. And I think that to develop that skill over time is one of the most powerful things that we can do in healing is to have hindsight in present moment. And to be able to land that Mm. because we can, if we look back at all of our experiences, like my painful experience with my mother and my father, that still is ongoing in their various ways. But to be able to look at literally every single one of my experiences that I've ever had and been like, they were all perfect because I'm here. Mm -hmm because I'm breathing this exact breath that I'm breathing right now. And because I am sitting exactly where I need to be. And because I can look back at my most painful experiences that I've ever had and say, I see where that led me. So the painful experiences that I have now or that anyone has now, they can, they have evidence Mm -hmm. that what their experience what they're experiencing now is going to lead them somewhere. And although that may stay unknown, we can still have the need met of, of knowingness. Like we, we need to balance like uncertainty and knowingness with each other, but we can still have that need met of knowingness. Like, even though I don't know what the hell is happening right now, even though I'm scared and grieving and fearful and upset, 
I still know that this experience is leading me somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to like, thank you for that articulation. Cause that's what was brewing in my brain. <laughs> yeah, no, it's super powerful. And I've thought about this too. I was talking to a friend a couple weeks ago and she's going through just a really dark phase, a really difficult, challenging time. And the way that I tried to shift her perspective was to invite her to view like her life from almost like a 30,000 foot view and Mm -hmm. almost as if you could look into the future or be in the future and look back to your experience now, like, is there any wisdom that you can see from going Mm -hmm. through this experience that in future, in hindsight, you will understand why you were meant to Mm -hmm. go through that. And it is such a powerful tool to, or skill to have that in the present moment, because it allows you to surrender so much deeper. And it is really our resistance to what is happening to what we're moving through that it creates (coughs) such a, it's like pain is already there. And now you're adding another layer by resisting it and and fearing Mm -hmm. like why and, and resisting, like, why am I going through this? Why me victimhood mentality and all that. So I love that you explained that because I think that's really powerful for others to hear too. It's like, remind yourself that everything's happening for your greater evolution and Mm -hmm. knowing that eventually it'll make sense. Like, can you lean into that in this present moment into that energy now? And that doesn't mean it can't feel like absolute shit Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. What I've learned through having spiritual and just teachers in general that have all had their different flavor and style is that some more heady some more body-based some in between integrating both um because you know we are holistic whole beings that we cannot just exclude the mind or exclude the body and treat them as separate entities but I have had teachers where they have done both but the energy of the work that we're doing is very heady. Mm. And so what it creates is this desire to, or at least what I've, what I noticed, because this was some of my early teachers in a time where my brain was still developing. um, I mean, and it still technically is, but just like um, really, really developing. And I'm so sensitive to all of the stimulation that I'm receiving. Uh, asking inquiry questions and shifting perspective before the emotion is actually integrated of what you're experiencing is child's play. Like it, it's just, you're just scratching the surface, Mm -hmm. but real deep healing happens when the emotions that you're experiencing in relationship to the external stimulus are fully integrated. Mm -hmm. And that's when clarity comes and you can actually create those brain wiring shifts because I think especially in the personal development world the first thing that we want to do is shift the narrative immediately and just just what the moment that we have a disempowering thought it's like ah I know exactly how to make that empowering it's like wait but that actually doesn't land in the body the empowering thought cannot physiologically land in the body without the emotions associated with that disempowering thought to be fully integrated and expressed to their fullest intensity, Mm -hmm. which kind of goes back to what we were talking about 
before we started the podcast of for the feminine having a funnel having multiple funnels of expression in which they can express freely and authentically and messily without any feedback like any feedback loops coming on the other side so just holding space or the podcast or taking out your phone and pulling out voice memo and just talking and not judging what you're saying but just allowing it to come through because sometimes you have to get I mean most of the time you have to get through those old narratives you have to get through the emotions that are stored in the body before you even think about rewiring so I just wanted to say that especially for people who are like more prone to the heady healing work or more prone to the heady personal development work because it only quote works to an extent and it needs to be landed in the body before it actually creates a lasting and sustainable change in your life regardless of what that is yeah it's like it's again it's another form of like symptom management instead of Mm -hmm. getting to the root cause you know and it's like I yeah I know that too well. <laughs> That's been yeah. <laughs> definitely a pattern of mine. And I think it's also to some degree, I feel like it can also become a coping mechanism, you know, of like, I don't want to be with the, I don't want to sit with the discomfort. I don't want to mm-hmm. sit with the, the pain. And I'd rather find another strategy to fix it, which can be like, yeah. oh, affirmations or whatever tool, which even there if it's are many. sitting down and meditating or sitting down and doing yeah. yoga, if you're coming from the energy of I need to fix what mm-hmm. I'm experiencing or be or feel any other way than I'm being or feeling right now, then it's this energy of fixing. Mm-hmm. It's the exact energy that we repel when other people give us that same thing. Yeah. When yeah, we experience exactly. other people trying to fix us, like we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, it's this energy of like repelling that. Nope. I just want you to hold space for me. I just want you to hold space for me. Yeah. And that desire from another person is only a reflection of what we ultimately crave within ourselves, which is mm. to ourselves saying to ourselves, I just want you to hold space for me. Mm. That's all these parts of ourselves are trying to communicate to us is I just want you to hold space for me. And I just got goosebumps. Like, yeah, me too. It, Cause it's like, those parts of ourselves that are scared or frustrated or just want to get fucking mad like talk about creating unshakable confidence like if you want to create unshakable confidence get fucking mad Mm. intentionally Mm. get pissed off like I can't even tell you how many like beatings this bed has gotten (laughs) (laughs) like this bed has been through a lot of shit with me (laughs) it's held a lot of space for you (laughs) yeah it's held so much space but that's the reason why I feel so clear when I'm going through excruciating circumstances which I am right now in my personal life like to the point where it's like you sit with what you're actually moving through in it literally and physically makes your heart hurt Mm. to the point where it just it's like you because there's a type of pain where it's kind of easy to distract yourself 
with and then there's the type of pain where it's so fucking deep that you don't even have the capacity to try to distract yourself from it mm-hmm. yeah <sighs> but that's the accessing rage and accessing like the part of me that is like fuck these circumstances fuck this fuck that like just allowing myself to express that part of myself after mm-hmm. then I can be like okay let's let's shift whatever's here not from a place of trying to fix myself but from a place of understanding what is going to be nurturing for my highest good whatever yeah. that looks like that's beautiful because it's 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 an energy again like emotions are energy right and they do get trapped in the body and we've known this and yet we still try to numb out or distract or run away or change the feelings that are actually there and this whole concept that people talk about of of like becoming whole again is an integration of all parts of you and Mm -hmm. anger for example which especially as women we've been so taught to suppress and to not feel and to not express for all these different reasons. And it's like, yes, but that is still part of your human experience. Like if that wasn't a part of you, you wouldn't experience it. And Mm -hmm. you telling yourself that that is not allowed or not ladylike or whatever, whatever conditioning you have around that is like, that is suppressing a part of you that is there. Mm -hmm. Therefore it's a part of you. And so this concept of coming home can mean so many things, but this is one, one piece of it of like welcoming and being your own like safety net for all parts of you, all parts of your experience, your emotions, all of it. And letting yourself move through that is the only way to move through it in a healthy way. Because Mm -hmm. again, if you're just going to go meditate, you're feeling whatever you're feeling in your body that you don't like, it's just another way of, of coping with the symptom instead of getting to the root cause. And if you let yourself sit with that and, you know, (laughs) attack your bed or do whatever it is you need to do to, to to release that energy, it's like, it sounds like really excruciating and really painful and it is, but that lasts so much less time than bottling it down where for a moment you experience relief, but then over time you watch it just have these ripple effects throughout the rest of your life and your relationships and your body and all these different aspects where it comes out and leaks out of you. And so it's like being willing to sit with yourself through that is like one of the most powerful practices that you can develop with yourself and it builds so much self-confidence knowing that like you can hold yourself through whatever comes up exactly you can sit with yourself so yeah that's, that's really powerful yeah and that's kind of what I meant by like that rage is actually the path to unshakable confidence um <laughs> I was talking to one of my clients about that the other day because she was saying reflecting on how far she's come in our work together and we were paving a path for our next three months together and I was like what would you really like what would what do you want to feel by December Mm. what way of being do you want to feel embodied in by December and she was like I'm experiencing so many challenging things right now 
life altering things, tragedy, and a lot of moving parts. And I feel so okay with all of it. Mm. And that's beautiful. And there's still a part of myself where I wish I could feel more confident in the decisions that I'm making amidst all this uncertainty. And I was like, okay. And the first question I asked her was, how often are you getting mad? Mm. Because all of the, like this person has had money stolen from her and there's like huge, like just a lot of life changes where if you listen to what she was experiencing on the outside, it would be like, she's in a very like limbo state and she has a lot of decisions to make. Mm -hmm. And I, when I asked her, how often are you getting mad? She was like, probably not enough. (laughs) And she was like, well, what does that have to do with confidence? And I said, when you allow yourself to experience those, the intensity of your anger, and I said, because when you think about it, all of the things that are happening in your life, are you mad about them? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, well, do you allow yourself to get mad about them? And she's like, "Mm, sometimes, you know, when I have a Coke bottle and I put a Mento in it and I shake it up and then it explodes, that's when I allow myself to get mad. Mm. (laughs) and from that lens we're just walking explosions basically where to the point where something can someone can say something that's a little you know off or in the wrong tone and we're just like I'm gonna explode on this person instead of allowing ourselves to in a safe and intentional way explode with ourselves then we're It's like preventative medicine that we're giving ourselves from creating all of these different fractures in our relationships and our communication in the work that we do. And I said, when you allow yourself to experience that much anger, that's tapas. And if, you know, I I know you know that term just from yoga, but I mean, it's a yogic term for building heat. So when you are creating tapas in your body, that is the energy of creation. That is the energy of putting a fire up your ass to cultivate whatever needs to be cultivated in the world. And the moment that you're like, oh, damn, like, yeah, that's the part of myself that I've actually been avoiding. But it's also the part of myself, this energy is the exact energy that is behind all of my beautiful creations in the world. Too. Mm. I love that. Thank you for explaining that. I've never heard it put that way. And it's really powerful because creation, that energy is often viewed as just like a positive positive and negative can get sticky, but just for the sake of explaining it, like, oh, it has to be this beautiful, like creation, like a positive experience of bringing something Mm -hmm. into the world. But like, when we talk about energy, which is really what this all boils down to, it's the same, the same energy. And so again, you're embracing what's there and not denying the experience you're currently having just so that it bottles up and explodes later on somewhere that causes a lot more friction. So it's like it, it, the way that I see it is like, you're building self-confidence by allowing your experience to be what it is and being that like, like holding 
yourself in that capacity to experience what's truly there and, and letting it fuel you in a, in a healthy way where you're not letting it out on someone else or projecting it onto something else. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that comes down to just listening. Like the body knows the body is an intelligent force and Mm -hmm. we spend so much time rejecting the body's innate knowing by doing all of these different things to try to solve and calm exactly what we're experiencing instead of just experiencing it and then trusting that experiencing it will create space for a natural transmutation Mm. and integration of whatever that initial thing is. And the moment that we allow ourselves to listen to the body and asking for what it's craving for, like even in, in this moment, like noticing how your body feels and noticing like for those of you listening like do do, are there any parts of your body that need attention or that are asking for attention or that need physical touch or that are craving more space or that are craving to actually feel contracted Mm -hmm. Um, and just having that like body awareness when we're experiencing those emotions to be able to listen to it because sometimes it's not always like getting angry sometimes Like, well, actually, I first want to say that there's like a shadow to every emotion, whether that is anger or happiness or joy or elation or like even the the high vibration emotions, there is a huge shadow to the high vibration emotions, Mm. Um, probably more than the than the darker, more dense emotions that we experience because I mean, you've probably met someone in your life and everyone has probably met someone in their life where they are so happy all the time. And it's like, there's a part of you that's kind of like, it's not relatable. Like Mm -hmm. you can't, there's no permission slip to feel the full spectrum of your human experience in that state. And that's the shadow is that you ultimately end up cutting off connection from other people because it's not relatable. Mm. And it actually takes a lot of energy to hold that wall up against our, against our shadow with light. If that makes sense, it takes a lot of energy and no wonder we're fatigued and depressed and sad. And we project this whole other persona on the outside of that. Mm -hmm. But yeah. There's two two questions that I want to ask and I'm going to I'm going to do one first in relation to this this conversation. And um, by the way, I can come back to the leadership thing if you want me to. I'm sorry. I took us on I remember that I took us on a whole another path. <laughs> no, I think I think it's beautiful cuz I think it'll it'll be a nice little bow tie at the end to wrap up all of this. Cause you kind of are explaining it already just by having this conversation. Um, but we'll come back to that when the time is right. The question that I want to ask you is touching on this idea of becoming really aware and in tune of what your body needs in the moment, right. Which is such an important skill to develop. I talk a lot about building a connection with yourself because for me on my journey, I realized that I was so disconnected from my own self, from my body, but also for my emotions and for my needs and desires and intuition and all these things. And 
I was living very much just in my head, head forward. And this concept of coming home to yourself again can also relate to building a relationship with yourself, an intimate relationship where you actually spend time getting to know yourself, you know, exploring your desires, your pain, your fears, your bodily sensations, the cues your body gives you. And I want to get your perspective on this and why you think this is such a valuable skill to develop and how it can help us on this path of self-healing and self-discovery. So do you mind if we pause and I take a bathroom break really quickly? And <laughs> go ahead. Answer? <laughs> I'm going to go get my earphones because I might have cool. to yeah, switch it up. Cool. A few moments later. <gasps> I actually think that was that intermission was perfect because you were asking about needs mm. <laughs> and listening to your body and listening to your body's sensations. And I had this thought in my head where I was like, I could sit here and simultaneously while I'm talking, think about the fact that I have to pee or I can get my needs met and pee. So then I can empty myself, not just physically, but also mentally of that background thought that's ruminating in the background of wanting to take care of my needs. And what that allows for is for greater presence here with you in the space in creating a different type of container that is ultimately felt because energetically we can all feel each other. And even if you didn't, you're like, I know Taylor has to pee right now. <laughs> even if you didn't feel it to that extent, there, if it was with another thing, you would feel some sort of energetic resistance or energetic like disconnect that may be in the space. And that happens in every area of our life. And I think the first thing that comes up for me when you asked that question was, there's this huge concept in the spiritual community of feeling whole, of filling up your cup before you serve others, of filling yourself up of all of your practices and rituals before you communicate with others, serve others, whatever it is, do whatever you do in your life. And I actually love this concept of getting empty. Like, why are you getting full when you can get empty? Especially if you resonate with being an empath and you feel like you're walking around and you're filling yourself up with everyone else's energies, everyone else's desires, everyone else's thoughts, everyone else's projections, everyone else's emotions. It's a lot. So why would you want to be full? Mm. And I get the concept around it, of course, and... Getting developing practices, whether that is a physical practice of journaling or a listening practice of noticing that a need of mine needs to be met and taking care of it so I can get empty physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever that looks like in any given moment, so I can be fully here and I can create a container that is nourishing and fulfilling and that a container that gives back to me like this morning when I was thinking about you know there's was nervousness I haven't done a podcast in a while so there's nervousness that was present and 
just around articulation or not losing my train of thought or not saying something right and this whole like paradigm of needing to fit into a certain box. And the same thing happens when we go out and step, step foot out into the world. There are all of these things that we don't realize that we have to think about because they're always running in our subconscious about how we're supposed to behave and act and be and emote and express. And that part of our subconscious or that part of our mind is called the id. It's all those little things. Oh, I shouldn't say that because it's not appropriate to the context. Oh, I shouldn't express this emotion because everyone else in this room is feeling upset or sorry, is feeling um, happy and I can't bring in depth or I can't bring in sadness into this container. And if you have practices to get empty, to feel clear, then you won't bring all of that stuff into the space. And there will just be more permission to listen to the body based on the space that you've created. If you're full with all of this other shit about how you need to behave and what you need to do, and you can't say that because of this, and you shouldn't say this because of this, then you're just full with everyone else's energy and everyone else's expectations that are ultimately that ultimately stem from the matrix that we live in and to get empty from all of that is ultimately creating space for your essence for your deep-seated desires for the words that are actually wanting to come out versus the words that you feel like need to come out because of x y and z again another concept that i like the way that you explained it because I do also relate to being an empath and now that you explain it that way which is really interesting because I've never heard it put be put that way the moments when I am feeling most chaotic and just dysregulated and just a lot going on it's because I'm doing too much I'm taking in too much information. I'm doing too much in the realm of doing, and I'm trying to, yeah, it feels like even if they're good things, it's like, I'm filling my cup up. It's like, there's too much. And so the moments that I feel best is when I sit down and do nothing, Mm -hmm. I just do nothing and empty myself out, which is, that's such a beautiful way to put it. Because if you think about it too, it's like our natural state is you know, when, when we're the most us, when we're the most connected and the most open, it's when we're the most still, we're the most, it's like bamboo is the way I think of it. You know, it's like your insides are kind of hollow and and free and it's not, there's no, like there isn't all this like turbulent energy and thoughts and emotions and like all of this craziness in there. And it's like, part of it is releasing it and feeling Mm -hmm. it and going through that process. But then just like emptying yourself. I really like that concept because again, it brings you to the nature of who you truly are, which is when you're most empowered, most natural, most you. And then you can bring that to a space and you're not projecting what's there. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can use meditation, let's say to like still like calm yourself down after you've put all this information in and done all this stuff. But then as soon as you're in the container again, like that stuff is still there. So it's still going to come out in some form. 
And I really, Mm -hmm. I, I love the way that you explained that. Yeah. Thank you. And if you are ever like you, meaning you who's listening, you, Lily, me, Tay, if you ever feel like you don't know what to do or you are in impossible circumstances, the first thing that we typically do is go outward for information or to our therapist or to a friend and this concept of getting empty is so powerful and also something that most of society refuses to do because it's so much easier to go out 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 versus in 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 and it is why I'm not throwing shade but there is a lot of therapists, coaches out there that are subconsciously creating a a dependency or a codependent relationship with Mm -hmm. their clients. Yeah. Which is ultimately creating this dynamic where the therapist, the coach, the mentor, whoever it is, is giving advice and coming from this place of, I know this, so I am telling you in, from the biases of my experiences, I'm telling you based on your experiences that I ultimately can never fully understand. I'm telling you, this is how you should operate in your life. And that's not getting empty for the person who's receiving that, that's getting full. And so the moment that we start to be intentional about when we're in these spaces of whether it's you're moving through a dark night of the soul or you're moving through something that's really challenging and you have this feeling of like, I don't know what to do. Stop getting full with all of this information. And if you do go see a practitioner, make sure that practitioner is bringing you back to yourself, not bringing you back to their knowledge, Mm -hmm. but bringing you back to yourself. Um, if because if we get empty in that space and we create space for ourselves to operate within that dynamic then the answers that we're looking for will just come mm-hmm. because our brain isn't filled with all of this all of these narratives around what we should do based on another person's perception another person's experience and it actually reminds me of this conversation that i had with another client the actually yesterday and she told me the story and was like I would love to know your opinion on this <laughs> and I just like laughed because this woman has been working with me for three years and by now she should know the answer that I'm gonna say I was like By now, you know that my opinion doesn't actually matter. (laughs) And there's a part of you that's asking this, hoping that I'm going to forget the way that (laughs) I coach and I lead and I support you to avoid what's showing up within yourself, something that you already know, something that's already been marinating in your subconscious, and maybe you've been afraid to avoid. And she just started laughing. And I was like nodding her head and I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, you know, 
And she was like, I know. Mm-hmm. And it was just this beautiful moment of like, yeah, I could have given her advice. I could have given her tools. I could have given her something based on my own experience and what is ultimately the most powerful tool that we can support people with, not just as coaches or mentors or healers or whatever you identify with, but just as human beings is to come from that energy of like, there's nothing about your experience that needs to be fixed right now. And ultimately, you know, and you're hiring me and paying me this money not so I can tell you the answers, but so I can guide you into places that maybe you couldn't access yourself in this particular state of mind, because we all have blind spots. And the more, the deeper we go into this work, the more, the trickier mm-hmm. our blind spots are going to, like they're gaining knowledge. Our subconscious is gaining a lot of knowledge and a lot of expertise on how to, step around <laughs> like yeah. just step around these these uh awarenesses that we've created for ourselves so it's like the the more self-aware we become the more self-aware our blind spots will also become so not to say that mentors or healers or whoever you're working with isn't going to be helpful but it's like that's why we hire them it's because they can see something that we can't it's why we step into sacred union because another person can activate something within ourselves that we can't necessarily on our own. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that we need to have, or that we have a codependent relationship with the other person. It just means that there is something about these two energies in this dynamic, the way that it is being cultivated, that cannot be, it literally cannot be produced with one person. And with one side of the dynamic. So I think that is probably the most important aspect of doing this work is finding practices, finding people, finding places that bring you back to that energy of coming back to yourself. And then whenever you start to slip into old patterns, you've created that environment for yourself where the people around you, the environments are like, no, like this is, it's all just coming back to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, and this is, this is part of like the self-mastery that you talk so much about and that your program embodies or helps you embody and that is, and it also comes back to confidence because yeah, like you can, you can create so much codependency with a coach or a therapist or even your partner and like always going to that person when you have another problem or another conflict Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, hoping for some sort of answer. And yeah, that can give you a little bit of relief in the moment, but the state of empowerment really comes when you have those skills developed with yourself. Like when you can sit down and get quiet and know that eventually the answer that you're looking for will come through you. And in Mm -hmm. fact, I would go as far as saying that when we are like, especially if we're trying to make a decision and we go to others for support or to help us make that decision 
in my experience, if the decision is given to me, it still doesn't feel right because for a decision to feel like it came from you, it has to come from you. And there's a certain amount of clarity and like satisfaction that comes when you made the decision from, from Mm -hmm. you, from your own intuition. And I used to really struggle with, especially with decision-making, I would get like pros cons list in my head and just like (laughs) weighing out both sides of the, of the issue or whatever it is to make sure that all all corners were looked at and every, like just trying to make the best possible decision. And it would drive me <laughs> crazy. And I, well, yeah, I, I did that with Jack when we first started dating. I, <laughs> so, oh I gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so funny how we get in our heads about it. And we think that when we sit there and strategize and ask other people and make pros cons lists that like the decision's going to get easier and be like super apparent, but it just gets more and more confusing. And it, clouds are our clarity so much with all this noise and then you're just sitting there and you're just anxious and tense and you're just like I have no idea what to do because you can fucking find validation for each side like until the cows come home like there's mm-hmm. whatever you're looking for you're gonna find it and so then you're sitting totally. there with evidence for both sides and you're yeah. like well they match up and now what the fuck do I do you know mm-hmm. and so well that's the shadow part of polarity too is mm-hmm. being so immersed in polarity as an understanding that you get lost in it versus allowing polarity to bring clarity mm. yeah yeah that's like that's when you're bringing polarity into the thinking mind versus bringing polarity into the heart And when you bring polarity into the heart, and I mean this conceptually, the heart symbolizing truth, the heart symbolizing your essence, the core of you, the the part of you, the version of you that exists without conditioning, without reaction, or not without reaction, but just like without all of the the layers Mm -hmm. in the armor that we hold on to. But polarity in that space is clear. Yeah. For sure. And it's like, at the end of the day, there is no like good or bad decision anyway. And it's like coming back to the truth of like, what do you know is the right answer? Like, usually it's because we're scared to mess up or something. But if you can lean into the fact that like, at the end of the day, it doesn't even really matter what you choose because it's just about like you choosing and like the path will just unfold itself based on that decision. But like, there is no right or wrong. And I think that when we go to someone for like to ask their opinion about what we should do about something, at least in my experience, it's, there's a part of me that wants validation for what I already believe or for, or if it's like, I'm too scared to do it. I want them to validate that it's not a good idea so that I can like, like, okay, then I don't have to do it. See, that's what I'm saying with the tricky. Yeah, exactly. survival systems are tricky as fuck. So true. It just gets more, the ego's, it's really sneaky for sure. And it tries to keep you in your comfort zone and and find all these reasons that help you validate. And you're like, yeah, see, like that's a, that's a good reasoning, but like, you're just, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the the concept of emptying yourself, of getting quiet. I love taking a walk too, because there's something about like, it's like a moving meditation where you're able to like clear your head and like the answers just start pouring in. And 
you know, another really good way that that has worked really well for me is, is asking myself which decisions coming from love and which one's coming from fear. Cause it just breaks it down really simply. And then you're kind of faced with your own fear, like shit, like, yeah, that one's coming from fear. And Mm -hmm. I, I see that. And yeah, it's just a really powerful tool that we can use with ourselves. And it, I just love that, that all of your work and everything that you've explained comes back to self mastery, to learning about yourself, to connecting to yourself, to even you as a coach, helping your client, not by giving them the answer, but actually helping them tap in, tune in so that they can use that skill moving forward. That is what a true mentor should do in my opinion. Yeah. And I think the, the, when you go to advice for someone, I, I feel like it took me a little bit to master this, but realizing how picky I actually need to be when asking for support or asking someone to hold space for me. Sometimes it isn't my parents. Sometimes it isn't my family members, you know, the people that you would think should give you the the most support. Like the person I go to is one of my best friends, Claire, um, which you know her, mm-hmm. and she's a breathwork facilitator. And she just like, holds pure space for me and that's not something that you can get access to in a lot of places and it's a really beautiful journey of realizing how many people we actually go to or I guess of me realizing how many people I used to go to that would just give me their own reflections versus allowing me to see myself in a deeper way And the process that it took for me to move from constantly asking others if, like using others as that exact thing that you are speaking to, to get more validation or to kind of get them to say, no, that's actually not a good idea. And that's secretly what I was hoping in my head Um, to only really asking for support, true support when I know that this person is going to give me the pure and devoted space that I need to go back deeper into myself. Yeah. And I think that's such a beautiful pathway into creating this space that we're talking about into emptying yourself. Because when you surround yourself with those types of environments, those people, those space holders, then you just continue to get more access to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I want to also make it clear that I'm not saying any of this from a space of you don't need anyone. Like we are tribal beings and we need other human beings. Mm -hmm. This is why like there's a sisterhood movement and why there's a brotherhood movement and why people are starting to call each other sister and brother left and right. And it's just a beautiful feeling because we need community. Mm -hmm. And there's this natural desire to experience both of both sides of the polarity, the hyper independence and the codependence, but the true self mastery is actually in the middle in between the two. Mm -hmm. And I experienced that with my mentor right now. And whenever, before I go into session with him, I always get myself empty so I can tune into the truth within myself 
And I know that I'm not utilizing the session from a space of him wanting to fix me or of wanting him to fix me, but coming in with, I don't need this session, but I want this session Mm. because I know the benefits that it allows me to receive. And that's the exact container that I support my clients in creating for themselves within my container is being, having the ability to heal themselves on their own, sure. And receiving, like being the ultimate receiver of support and space holding when it's necessary. And when they know that a blind spot is showing up that maybe they couldn't see themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's when the aligned support, when that comes in, in those exact moments, that's where like catapulting happens and acceleration happens, Mm -hmm. which I feel like is why we start these three month accelerator programs in the first place is to accelerate people. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, having the receiver come from like, I don't need this session, but I want this session because I understand the value, whether it's someone receiving that from me or me receiving that from my mentor, but it's a beautiful thing to receive yourself in relationship to another person in an even deeper way. Um, and one of the ways that <laughs> my mentor has landed that for me is the last call that we got on because I feel like this concept of you're only ever experiencing yourself is so crucial for everyone to understand like I wish that was like the one thing if every person on the planet could have one breakthrough that's the breakthrough that I would desire them to have Mm. and that desire is only a reflection of the of the desire that I have to land that breakthrough even deeper within myself. And I remember being on a call with him and he was like, you're not actually on the phone with me. You're on the phone with you perceiving me. And I was like, (laughs) I started laughing and I was, he just kept talking and I was like, stop, stop, stop. And I just kept laughing because Mm -hmm. I just thought it was hilarious. The concept, like I'm not, I'm not actually on a on the phone with Lily. I'm on the phone with myself perceiving Lily. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm you not get out of actually, your own way. Yeah. Well, we can never fully I mean, experience it's another be, person. Yeah. Yeah. It is literally always going to be ourselves. We are always experiencing ourselves, regardless of how much we get out of our own way. Yeah. I think you can you can fine tune yourself a little bit to the point where like, like even listening is a Mm -hmm. skill that most people don't have. And like, like true listening is, is getting beyond your experience, your perceptions. Like even in this conversation, me being so present is a skill that I'm, that I have to cultivate because the mind often wants to, as like, self-preservation or, or whatever it is. It's like, it wants to think about, Oh, what am I going to say next? Or how do I look? Or like, you know, there's all these filters and Peter Crone talks about this concept a lot in relationship and why a lot, he says, a lot of people aren't in relationship with another, with their partner. They're in relation in relationship with themselves and their own perspective Mm. of their partner. And so Mm. it's like, 
unless you're, unless you move past those perspectives and truly try to, you're always just trying, I guess, as it comes back to the concept or how you just put it, it, it is always a perception, but it's like, unless you're, you're willing and intending to see the other person for who they are in this moment and what they are portraying and like what they are expressing in the experience that they are having, if they're trying to communicate you're only in relationship with yourself and your own thoughts about it and your own perspective. So it is, Mm -hmm. it's a really, it's a really interesting concept. (laughs) Yeah. And, and there's a spectrum for sure. Like the, (laughs) there's a spectrum and both are true and all of them are true at the same time in the sense where you have the archetype of an armored maybe mass like a a male like an armored male who has a lot of pent-up anger that he never expresses and mother wounds and then you have the other side of the spectrum where that you've probably experienced in fit for service in the communities that you've been immersed in of true brotherhood where there's this like softening and the armor just really isn't there and you look at this human being and you're like god just like all the walls are completely dropped and so there's a spectrum of like sure the the person where whose walls are completely dropped is going to be experiencing you more so than the male with all of the pent up anger and armor. And the same goes for females, of course. I'm just using this as an example. And still in both cases, they're both still experiencing themselves. So it's like, there's this scale of like on being on the receiving end of both of those energies, you're getting a different result. You're getting a different conversation. You're getting a different dynamic. You're getting a different capacity to be seen and held in whatever experience that you're having so it allows their presence to be a deeper mirror um but they're still only experiencing themselves so there's the spectrum that on the receiving end makes a different and more profound impact depending on what side of the spectrum that you're on and they're both still experiencing themselves Mm -hmm. in relationship to you and how you are being yeah and that's why relationships are such powerful mirrors Mm -hmm. especially like between two people who are doing this work it's such a beautiful container for reflection to see your own shadows your own like yeah, just your own perspective and how it shows up based on you relating to another human. And that's Mm -hmm. really the container that coaching has the potential to offer when someone is, is deeply rooted in that and, and not just trying to spew wisdom onto the other person. Yeah. So let's come back to the leadership question. Now that we've we've talked about, about this, I think it's a great way to bring it back home. Do you mind restating it? <laughs> yeah. So the question was, why why leadership? Why that word in terms of explaining in a nutshell what your work is 
because again, there's so many pieces to this work. And that was one thing that really, that I, I still struggle with to like explain what it is I do and what my, what my coaching is, is about. It's like, yeah, sometimes you have to be able to wrap it up in a couple of words or even in, in one word. And that has been really difficult for me. And so I'm just curious to hear why you chose the word leadership. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you the amount of times I rethought the word leadership and I questioned the word leadership because of the societal associations with the word leadership and how we often perceive leadership as this white middle-aged male standing behind a desk leading in quotes a room full of other middle-aged white men (laughs) you know like that's the 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 American version of leadership that most Americans actually perceive leadership to be or like CEOs or whatever and my perception of leadership is like you are always leading yourself through every single experience that you have for better or for worse, but you're always leading yourself. And leadership doesn't necessarily have to be an in quotes positive thing because you can lead yourself through the depths of hell and through suffering and through and through dysfunction and through survival patterns and through reaction. And you can also lead yourself through the exact opposite polarity and both are the same, just like I was talking about before with the other concept. Um, I've thought about so many times renaming leadership accelerator to like self mastery accelerator, because I'm like self mastery is ultimately the work that we're doing inside of the container and self mastery creates healing. Self mastery creates leadership self-mastery creates powerful communication self-mastery creates intimate connection with self creates wholeness creates action creates um deconditioning creates healing from trauma ptsd anxiety like all these different things but you can't have leadership like true leadership without Mm self-mastery in this I guess, new way of how I'm defining leadership, which has nothing to do with the traditional way that we have once previously defined leadership as. But I teach leadership to, as self-mastery, I guess is a good way of putting it. Like I I teach leadership as self-mastery and as healing all of those things being the exact same thing. Leadership Mm -hmm. is healing. Leadership is self-mastery. Leadership is communication. Leadership is understanding energetics, understanding polarity, understanding nuance. Leadership is not black and white thinking. And still, this is all coming from my own perception. So it isn't necessarily correct or right. And ultimately it's all like leadership is like, okay, how are you leading yourself in any given moment? And is that in alignment with the human that you want to show up in the world as? And if it's not, that's okay. 
totally okay. That's part of your human experience is to lead yourself through suffering and lead yourself, like kind of create these self-perpetuating cycles through your entire life. It's not just all the good stuff, but leadership is, is all of the things that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. And um, to me, when you were speaking about like, there's this landing point or what's the word that you used before? I don't know if you remember. I forget, but yeah. Landing point, I think sums it yeah. up. Before. Yeah, sure. Like there's this landing point. Like what's the, what's the embodiment after mm-hmm. the whole process? What are you embodying after the whole process? Sure, you're embodying self-mastery, but ultimately you're embodying the ability to lead yourself through your life in a way that's in alignment with your highest and deepest vision. I'm really glad I asked that question because (laughs) I knew that, again, I have my perception of it, um, which is good. But hearing your perspective is really interesting because one main thing that stood out to me is when I saw leadership accelerator, I immediately thought of leading others, like, Mm -hmm. which is a part of leadership for sure. And I think that's mostly where our minds go when we hear leadership. It's like, how are we leading a group of people, you know, Mm -hmm. but I really love the emphasis of leading yourself because that, Mm -hmm that is all of this that we've talked about. It's having the relationship with yourself. It's coming home to yourself. It's all of this self-mastery work and self-discovery work and self-healing work that puts you in the driver's seat of your life as the leader of your life. And I think that's really beautiful because before you can ever lead others, you need to learn how to lead yourself in an empowering way or in a, in a way that, yeah, it's just really grounded and really authentic to to you and what you Mm -hmm. need and what your experience is and so well technically you don't need to because people you like not to uh be picky about your words or anything but just to like land that concept of like you know like you don't you don't actually need to do this work and it is so very clear that all of the quote leaders in our world that exist today are not doing this fucking work so just because you're doing the work does not mean you're going to be successful it does not mean you're going to get to the top if anything it's like my personal belief is that everyone who is currently at the top you have to be somewhat of a snake you Mm -hmm. have to be somewhat very grounded in your shadow in the shadow part of yourself And that doesn't mean it always has to be that way, but that definitely is the reality right now, which is why there's so much chaos and division and separation in our society because the leaders that are leading our planet are not doing this work right now. And it's crucial and important that they do. And that's also another reason why psychedelics is, the integration of psychedelics into our society is going to be so healing because there's also a shadow side of psychedelics where thinking that psychedelics will cure you or fix you or you know what I'm saying like all everything that we've talked about but ultimately you are always leading others the way that you lead yourself Mm. Mm -hmm. and it that comes back to the concept you are always experience you are always ever experiencing yourself and if you are always ever experiencing If you are always experiencing yourself, you are always going to be leading others the way that you are leading yourself. Mm -hmm. So leadership accelerator is first looking at 
how are you leading yourself? How have others led you to lead yourself? Mm. Dropping into that, how have I dropped myself into the matrix and forgotten who I actually am and forgotten the beliefs that I actually hold or my innate wisdom of my body and my individual mind and all of those things. How am I naturally leading myself? Once you have a general understanding of all of that, healing happens, yes, and you're going, the way that you're going to be leading others is going to be completely different because the way that you're leading yourself has completely altered and shifted. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it. I guess the way to say it would be like, or a better way of explaining it to what what I was going to say is like, if you want to live a life of integrity, alignment, and Mm -hmm. inner peace, then yeah, the step would be to take for that result or that lifestyle, I guess, would be to do the work on yourself first, foremost, and then it, it just becomes a reflection. Like you said, the yeah. way you lead yourself is the way you lead others. And I, and that's, you know, a metaphor for, for life, really. It's like, if we could f- focus more on ourselves and our inner healing, then the world the world as a result especially like your intimate bubble it it just it has positive effects on on everyone that you encounter and everything that you do and that's 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 all we can really ask for you know and all we can really focus on and so it's really beautiful to see the work that you're doing and there's so many overlaps with, you know, the work that I'm doing and just having more of these conversations is the reason why I started this podcast. And I'm just really honored that, that we got to have this conversation. And so I want to, okay. So before we wrap this up, I want to get into one more quick conversation with it, which is the, the topic of psychedelics. Um, that you briefly mentioned, because I know that we're both really passionate about psychedelics for healing. And yet there is a whole shadowy aspect of that, especially now as like, the rise is coming back and people are, are using them again in, in many different ways. And I think a lot of it comes back to intention and set and setting in these things. But yeah, I would just love to get your opinion on using psychedelics for healing and the potential that they have and maybe even how your experience has been shifted by, by plant medicines in general. Mm. I'm so surprised and excited that this aspect of the conversation is coming so late. I think my expectations were like, Oh, that's like the first thing we're going to be talking Um, because I know it's something that juices both, both of us up and it's such a psychedelics are, can be when used intentionally. And when you are honoring the medicinal properties of the medicine with set and setting and intention and all these different things that we do to create the container for a powerful experience for ourselves Powerful meaning doesn't necessarily always have to be heavy by any means. Sometimes a lot of the time powerful looks like allowing ourselves to be an embodied version of liberation or ecstasy or love. And that in itself is a transformative experience. But um, 
I digress. So I think that having these, when done intentionally, then we create the space for this medicine to be a mirror back into ourselves. And ultimately it's always a mirror. Sometimes it's harder to see that mirror if we don't have proper set and setting. And that's where people get into the narrative of like, oh, I had a bad trip and my personal reflection and experience with that is I have had maybe what others call would call a bad trip a few times before where after ingesting plant medicine I had the experience of like I don't even know what I learned I don't even know (laughs) what to think of that experience that was one of the scariest experiences of my entire life and just sitting in confusion after a psychedelic experience where I'm like, I don't like, I don't know what I learned. What, what was that? Can I undo that? Can I reverse Uno that experience? Because that was really challenging. Yeah. And the first time I had that experience, I was like, oh, this is what people are talking about. And then the more that I reflected on that experience, the reason why it was so challenging is because I was resistant if I'm only ever experiencing myself, I was experiencing resistance. I was experiencing thought loops. I was experiencing all of these different things. And most people say they had a bad trip when they go into thought loops and in psychedelic, I'm not a psychedelic preventative therapist just to put that out there. But I do have friends that are in the psychedelic prevented have taken those courses and gotten really educated in that realm and they've told me that when someone is in a psychedelic loop the only thing or the most important thing to land in their experience is that whatever they're experiencing is okay Mm. and if they're going in a loop I'm gonna die I'm gonna die I'm gonna die I'm gonna die that's okay can you let that be okay? That's okay. Because the moment that it's the same with like overthinking, why do you think we're overthinking it? Because our body's intelligence is bringing that thing up over and over again so we can face it. It's trying to complete itself. That's why we go into thought loops most of the time, you know, if we don't, if we aren't predisposed to schizophrenia or any other like mental disorders um but that thought that pattern is trying to complete itself so if you aren't facing it and you're kind of just letting it run and you continue to suffer but you aren't willing to look at it and be like hey I got you I'm here And in my loop, I kept saying over and over again, uh, am I going to be okay? Mm. Is this going to last forever? Am I going to be okay? Am I okay? And I kept asking the same thing over and over again. And my loop got triggered by another person's loop. And it taught me that my empathy is my greatest gift. And it is also what creates so much heaviness and suffering in my life is by unintentionally holding on to other people's energy. So that was like a lesson around it. But the bigger lesson was like, I'm looping because I'm not allowing myself to face 
what if I wasn't okay? And if I wasn't okay, could I let that be okay? If I had to go to a mental hospital because I went in, because when you're in it, it's like, oh my God, is this going to last forever? Could I actually be okay with like being in a mental hospital and trust that I would have people taking care of me and trust that I am still supported regardless of what mental state that I'm in? Could I trust that? And not even like, could I, but like, can I let that be okay? And even in those quote, bad trips or thought loops, psychedelic medicine is still a mirror. And that's kind of what I was trying to get into is like, regardless of the way that you create the container, it's always going to be a mirror because it is the nature of the medicine and maybe it's easier to see the the mirror when you set up set and setting and you like in my experience making decisions on psychedelics is like the worst feeling in the entire world like it's like oh I have to like you're at the crossroads and you're like I don't know which way to go and if I took this way and you go down like this loop of like what it could mean if you go that way it's like (laughs) it's like the worst thing ever so Um, anyway, (laughs) there's, um, I think when I first started doing them, that bad trip thing was a huge thing that was in my brain. And it was a huge thing that turned me off for such a long time, because even though I was a big partier in high school, I never did any hard drugs. I never like growing up in a really wealthy County. I, there, I was exposed to a lot of people doing Coke, a lot of people getting, access to these high class drugs. And I was on the outside of it kind of watching and observing them. And I just never had any interest, but I categorized mushrooms and psychedelics in that arena as well, because of all of the external narratives that we've created around them as a society. And it kind of took me getting the yuckiness and the stickiness out around these psychedelic medicines, whether that was LS, I've only done LSD and mushrooms before. Um, and I just recently did LSD for the first time several months ago. So because I've just been absolutely devout to mushrooms. But um, it's like, sometimes you have to get the stickiness away, like the, the sticky narratives out of your system around what you think that it's going to mean if you take this drug. And all of the societal conditioning that is kind of put on us through social media and like, you're going to jump out of a freaking window if you do psychedelics and die. And, and it's like, uh, actually no one has ever died from mushrooms. Mm -hmm. Maybe people have done stupid shit on mushrooms because they don't have the right set and setting and container and understand that when you do mushrooms, sometimes you may feel invincible and you may have this like, uh, not God complex, that's not the right word, but just like, um, like this feeling of like, oh, I could kind of like, just fall and I it wouldn't hurt. Um, but to be able to like, get all of those narratives out of your system. And actually like, and create space for the truth of what the medicine provides. That's where healing can actually come in. Mm-hmm. is allowing yourself to experience those medicines for yourself with the intention of 
healing in whatever arena you feel like is going to be medicine for whatever you're working through. Sometimes that looks like crying. Sometimes that looks like having a rage session. Sometimes that looks like feeling liberated and crying and screaming because you love life so much and you love this exact moment in this very breath so much. And sometimes it's going in thought loops, you know, like that can be healing in its own way, but it's like, I think there's this collective need to get all of those narratives out of our system out of our collective system so we can make space for the truth of what psychedelic medicine and the potentiality of psychedelic medicine actually holds. Yes. Emptying again. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's true though. It's like letting go of the story that has been fed to us about these medicines because that is the filter that you're now looking at them through and allowing yourself to create your own experience of them is really that's the journey I went through too and I really liked what you said about when these thought loops come come up in a trip that you can then potentially deem as like a bad trip and one statement that again I learned from Peter Crone but it's essentially what you said it's like asking yourself at any point in time like can I be with this like, mm. just can I be with this? And it, this doesn't have to be obviously in a psychedelic ceremony or anything, but like in life as well. But I think it's really interesting in this case too, because yeah, if your mind is going rampant on this this thought and our resistance to it or our unwillingness to face it is what keeps it going. And it's like, it's it's craving your attention. It's craving your acceptance. Right. And so mm. even if the worst possible thought, it's like, can you just be with that? Like if that experience were to happen, could you be with that? And obviously every cell in your body might be like, hell no, I don't want that. But it's not about mm. wanting it. It's just about like, could you hold yourself through that? And could you ultimately trust the universe or whatever you believe in that that is the experience that is for you in this moment? And that like at the end, like it just it's just accepting what is you know and because our resistance again to not wanting that is what's keeping the loop going and so it's so mm -hmm. interesting because I think that yeah psychedelics really they amplify like what's already there to some degree you totally. know so so yeah it, sometimes they they bring up your own fears in a really scary way and, yeah, and they kick you in the ass <laughs> yeah and it's like is that a bad trip or is that the medicine that you need in this moment so that you can overcome it and integrate it mm -hmm. well it's all perspective again but if you're if you're open to being with whatever experience you were given I think that it's medicine and mm -hmm it does all come come back to set and setting because like you had like the experience you shared with the person that influenced your the thought loops that you went into and whatnot when you're on psychedelics everything influences your your experience yeah. or can influence your experience and so yeah. yeah it's it's being really intentional about them and um they like if you if you choose to view them as dangerous because of the story of like someone jumping out of a window like 
okay, if that's your, if that's your belief about it, then that's your belief about it. But like, think about how much stupid shit people do when they're sober or when they drink or, alcohol. or how many, yeah, how many, I was going to say, how Are many people me? freaking, how many people die on alcohol every single year? Mm, can't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, I can. It's, it's like, absurd when you start going absurd. down these rabbit holes of like the totally. fact that these medicines are still quote unquote illegal in most places. There's a lot of work that can can be done, and I think that the conversation's definitely gaining gaining momentum, and I really love that. I'm so grateful for that um, because it's just a tool that comes directly from nature, in my opinion. That's it. That doesn't mean it's for everyone, but it it I believe it should be a tool that is accessible to those that feel called. Totally. Yeah, the potential that it has. I mean, one mushroom ceremony for me changed the whole trajectory of my life. And I've talked about this on the podcast and, you know, it's just, it's a powerful medicine, but it needs to be used intentionally. And you got to feel like it is calling you in some degree. Like it's, you're interested in some form other than just like, or whatever. I'm not, I can't judge what someone wants to use them for, but yeah, it's just really interesting. And I'm really grateful that this conversation's <laughs> gaining some traction because they're powerful. Yeah. yeah. And it's like the more that you, that we're talking about this, I'm actually having more breakthroughs around that specific trip that I had because the, we were with four people and we were having such a good time. And there is this, uh, one of the guys in the group, um, I could feel his contraction and his armor that was like, I would literally try to communicate with him and he wouldn't respond. And I was like, are you okay? I was like, and I was like, what's going on? Like, express your thoughts to me. I can't, I can't. And after a while, I think I'm going insane. I'm going insane. Mm -hmm. And it just sent every single one of us on this path. And it's while you were talking, I was like, that those thought loops I was going in were actually a reflection of the deeply ingrained societal narratives that I was so deeply scared of. Was that actually me? Not necessarily, no. I mean, sure, it was channeling through me. But now that I'm reflecting on it, I'm like, well, of course I was going in that because that's what I've heard is that you do psychedelics and go to a mental hospital and you do psychedelics or you jump out a window or you do psychedelics and this happens. And ultimately, all of that is just external narratives that are infiltrating your experience in some way. And I feel that that experience constantly comes up every now and then and teaches me something new about that same experience so it's it's really cool but just even cooler to understand how deeply our subconscious holds on to things and how deeply impactful marketing is in our society and we think that marketing doesn't affect us in these little subtle tiny ways but how mushrooms will sensitize us to the deepest parts of our subconscious Mm -hmm. and once we uh, 
can face those things like you were saying and have the courage to face them and sit with it and be with it and experience what is then the shadow becomes the light because you're illuminating all that was literally in the dark trenches of your brain and your human experience and then you don't really have to be scared of the shadow anymore because it's not the shadow it's illuminated Mm -hmm. yeah your awareness is that light Mm -hmm. and if you're just willing to look at it and be with it and say you're allowed to be here like you're allowed to be here and it takes like a big human it takes a lot of like courage to to go there and to let yourself go there but like getting through something like that and knowing that you stayed and that you were willing to sit with that makes you that much stronger and like you said it pulls that out and it allows it to now be a part of you now it's part of light within you it's no longer a shadow that feels like it's not there but it comes out in all these wonky ways in your Mm -hmm. life yeah I think mushrooms especially have a really powerful way of of showing you what what it is you need to look at and it's Mm -hmm. like yes we're talking a lot about the the difficult experiences but obviously the positives or the 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 fun experiences are yeah wonderful too and they're I mean that's why we we come back most of us to these medicines too is yeah for me I think that they it's just a beautiful reminder of like who I truly am like it Mm -hmm. allows me to soften so deeply into like my own being and my own experience where I'm just like ah okay I remember (laughs) yeah totally It's, it's yeah I was gonna say it's like the a ceremony of remembrance mm-hmm and I it's funny because I didn't even realize how much we were talking about the darker parts of psychedelics because I've gotten so much so much more comfortable with talking about the shadow aspects of not just psychedelics but myself and so those experiences don't feel so heavy for me as I'm as I'm speaking to them or as I'm talking about them because they've taught me so much and they've allowed me to our like our pain and our suffering and getting in touch with those shadow parts of ourself is is what creates our emotional intelligence mm-hmm. it's what births our depth it is it is our depth to have the capacity to go into those places in our consciousness and it's just like that quote shame only survives in the closet and when you allow yourself to let shame be seen then it it's not shameful anymore shame when we express shame and we can feel safe and seen and heard in our shame it's no it transmutes into gratitude often it transmutes into uh receiving often like receiving uh another person see us and see us for those shameful experiences or so we perceived but that full spectrum is what makes us human beings yes but also that is what that is the essence of our liveness is the full spectrum mm-hmm. and it also depends on what medicine you need. And I feel like mushrooms are really, mushrooms and psychedelics in general are really good at doing that. 
test of kind of gauging what medicine is needed based on your human experience that you're working through. I remember my first like 15 mushroom journeys were light and beautiful and expansive because I was moving through such darkness in my life and moving through such heavy, like dense, dark spaces in my life. So it was giving me this experience to be like, be like a child again. My first mushroom journey was literally at a playground and at like 10 at night and I was on the swings and we were like going down this beautiful slide and it was just such a cool experience. I was like, this is what I've been missing. Mm -hmm. And I just kept saying that over and over again, like, this is what I've been missing out on. Because we get so focused on the depth and the darkness and the density and the seriousness, and we forget to experience the other side of the polarity that is the contrast that our soul is actually craving because we're all trying to come back to equilibrium in whatever, and we'll try to get there in whatever means possible. And sometimes we get stuck in one side of the polarity we get stuck in shadow, we get stuck in lightness, like we were talking about earlier, and forget like there's this natural equilibrium that our body will ultimately tell us what that is, and where that is, and where our medicine lies to receive the other side of that polarity. But we're always ultimately trying to get there. And I think our essence is trying to get there, but our mind doesn't, because Mm. it's really comfortable, it can be really comfortable to stay in the darkness when we've gotten comfortable with the darkness and it can be really comfortable to stay in the light when we've gotten comfortable with not facing those shadow parts of ourselves. and for me what mushrooms have allowed me to really access within myself is to I'm still working on it obviously but to fully accept all parts of my human experience and that doesn't mean I'm this like enlightened you know obviously I but I also just want to put it put this out there so people don't think like oh I wish I had that I wish I could access that within myself it's like no I I still deal with resistance I still go on my phone when I don't want to feel something I still project shit on my partner and myself and other people maybe I do those things in different ways maybe I'm not um going out to drink when I feel uncomfortable with my human experience or I'm not uh, cultivating more like an eating disorder because I feel uncomfortable with myself just like I said like we were talking about it shows up in those more subtle ways but what they've ultimately taught me is like this knee-jerk reaction that when something gets uncomfortable to reach for something outside of ourselves and to notice that knee-jerk reaction and to be like, oh, to have the meta-awareness in that and be like, oh, that's what I was doing. I was trying to externalize feeling the pain or whatever human experience is showing up. And ultimately, all that I can come back to is myself and my experience. And I actually don't need that. And so it gives us the ability or it has given me the ability to like set those things down, Mm -hmm. set my phone down, set the distraction down, set the the freaking mop down when I'm trying to clean and like almost like I'm scrubbing the floors, like I'm trying to clean my fucking mind. (laughs) (laughs) Like sometimes I catch myself and I'm like, dude, 
okay, you can clean, but I want you to clean from the perspective that like you're wor- like you're worshiping and nurturing the container that you're in versus like I'm trying to clean to fix something. So I can still do what I'm doing, but have the intention be different, you know, but it's just like accepting all of those different parts of myself, which I think is one of the greatest tools in the healing toolbox is, is parts work and being able to relate with all of those different parts of yourself and looking at them. The phrase that I tell my clients, if you learn nothing else, like, ground yourself in this phrase whenever you feel like there's a part of you rejecting another part of you well I guess it's two it's like one is it's okay that you're here and then like breathing into that and then being like I got you like it's okay that you're here it's okay that you're here and it typically helps at least in my experience, if I say it's okay that you're here until I actually feel that in my body, until I feel that as like a lived experience. And then I can move on to, I got you. I got you because I know that it's okay that you're here. Mm -hmm. And then I can start relating with that part of myself in a different way than I would have if I was just trying to exile it. I just wouldn't relate with it in the first place. But if I know that like, if I treat all of those different parts of myself as if they were the four-year-old version of me coming in and coming up to my, my desk and crying to me and saying, I need help, I'm scared, or whatever part of me is showing up, I wouldn't be like, get the fuck out, I'm working. I would be like, no, I got you. Like, it's okay that you're here. It doesn't matter that I'm working. I can hold on to you. I can see you. I can nurture you. Like, what do you need? And I think from that perspective, that's actually where healing happens. And that's like the awareness that mushrooms have allowed me to tap into is like they're like really tapping into that like inner child and joy and liberation and being like, that's my, that's my essence. That's Mm -hmm. like who I, that's the part of me that's always trying to communicate with me when I'm all armored up and at my desk and like I need to get the shit done (laughs) yo you don't act like do you need it to get it done that bad like when my mom says oh I have so much to do today I'm so busy and she's like in her little frantic mode I'm like are you too busy to take a breath I'm like can you breathe with me for a little (laughs) um because it's just like you get stuck in that paradigm but Mm -hmm. yeah that is the healing and it's like we there's so much tension and anxiety and stress that comes up when you think that you are broken or need fixing and that the answers lie in something outside of yourself you know and that's the chase of like either I gotta learn more or I gotta seek help somewhere or like I'm not gonna be okay if I don't find it find the thing find the solution And really what my whole journey has taught me too is like flipping that and like using life, using all the people in, in your life, all of, and even everything that happens within you as a reflection to go deeper within yourself, to look at that, to reparent, to be with your own experience, to be with your inner child, to hold yourself. Like you are your own best medicine. You are your own best healer. And 
you know, mushrooms are one way that can accelerate that process. And really it's a, for me, mushrooms are just a really deeply felt experience of something that I mm. already knew logically. Totally. You know? And those yeah. are very different because again, the, the memory is stored in the body. The felt experiences are now like deeply, like it's a part of you now because you have felt it, that experience and other like prior, like I only knew this stuff logically and it, it did help, but it wasn't as deep as, as the work that I've done using psychedelics. And so yeah, I just think it's really beautiful that we're able to express that and, and tie it into this conversation. And I, I'm grateful, actually, that I didn't bring it up till the end, because it's like, all of the stuff we talked about all these different tools and strategies and self healing modalities and whatnot, like that can all be accessed without any, any use of psychedelics, like you have all of that at your disposal. And most of it is free, like, most yeah. of it is free. Yeah. Which is yeah. great too. It's like, there's no excuse. Like everyone can do this work if they, if they want to. And at the end we add in psychedelics, which yes, they accelerate everything we've already talked to, uh, talked about, but like, they're just one tool, you know? And yeah, we're, we're just, I'm just grateful that we get to share that experience. And I hope that people will take that as they will, you know, I mean, they will anyway, cause it's their perspective. <laughs> but- yeah. Yeah, just knowing that it's it's a tool that's out there, but it's not necessary. Like this work is totally always at your disposal. Yeah. So yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, I'm gonna take you through like just a couple of these rapid fire questions. I don't want to do all of them because we've actually answered a lot of them already in our conversation, but yeah. And then we'll we'll wrap this up. So okay. One of the questions was what's one of the most important lessons you've learned along the way? So if you have something else that comes up, you can answer that. But I, I liked what you said earlier about like, if there's one thing that you would like your clients to take away, um, if you maybe just repeat that if you want, or if something else is coming through, you can. So like, what's the most important lesson you've learned along the way, or just like advice you would give someone if you had to. To that tool of, it's okay that you're here and I got you mm-hmm. and the other concept that I mentioned of we are only ever experiencing ourselves and I will give a quick example of what that may look like mm-hmm. and how that has landed in my experience if I have a desire for someone to be a certain way whether that is to be more understanding or be a safer container to hold space for me, or I want them to be doing the work more. Let's take one of those and say, I want this other person to be more compassionate. That desire, that external desire is only a reflection of the compassion that I actually desire to cultivate within myself. Because if I am at the, if I am a reaction to another person's lack of compassion, then ultimately I am not giving myself the compassion that I need regardless of their reaction. 
Mm. So our desire outward is a reflection of the desire that we ultimately want and crave within ourselves. And that doesn't, again, mean that you can't ask for more compassion. And what it does mean is that we cannot ask something for something that we are not willing to cultivate within ourselves. Mm. So that I hope that lands the concept for everyone who's listening, because it definitely can be a challenging concept to grapple with when you first hear it. Like, what do you mean? I'm only ever experiencing myself. No, when I'm in a fight with my partner or and when I'm arguing with my parentals, I'm experiencing them being an asshole. I'm experiencing them being reactive. It's them. And it's it's just an externalization of our denial to our own reaction to them. And so if we can ground ourselves in that awareness, it's really the only, it's the only tool that we need. We are only ever experiencing ourselves. And obviously the first one is like, it's okay that you're here to nurture any exile, nurture any desire to exile that Mm -hmm. we might have in our human experience. Mm -hmm. And it's ultimately all you can ever change if you want to to change anything like you can only change your your yourself and your perspective or yeah but like be with it first I love that 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 could have its own podcast on its own absolutely just not trying to (laughs) like (laughs) especially with the few years that we've had with so many people trying to change other people's perspectives around certain things it's like that Mm -hmm. only creates division Mm -hmm. Yeah, it only creates resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what are your top three health practices, but doesn't have to be physical health, but like mental, emotional, physical, spiritual health practices that you do daily? Mm, Getting angry. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, getting angry, getting, especially for women, not that men don't have anger in their bodies. I think a more repressed emotion for men can often be sadness. It's not mm-hmm. the case for every male, but for a woman in off in most cases, it's anger mm-hmm. and um, letting that anger be okay. Mm-hmm. So I think getting angry, um, journaling, that's a method of getting clear for me and just allowing, not using journaling as like a poetic thing, or, I mean, sometimes it can be, but just allowing myself to completely empty everything that's in my brain. It's has been one of the most powerful tools and God, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many tools. I would actually say knowing like health, knowing what makes me what how to create the container for cultivating internal safety within myself has been Mm -hmm. an incredible practice for me that has been completely life-altering in so many different ways do you have just a couple of or maybe even one example of how people could can do that within themselves or start practicing that well it looks different for everyone and I think that is the, oh my goodness, what a cute, <laughs> I can't wait to meet him. <laughs> He's really wanting attention. 
Um, he's like, Mom, your podcast usually don't last. <laughs> um, <laughs> you said um, it too. I know I did. So, so good. Um, I think the biggest tool that I, I mean, would say is because it's hard to kind of cultivate out of the ethers what makes me feel internally safe, what makes me feel safe in the world. It's easier for people to talk about what doesn't make me feel safe. Mm. So sometimes talking about what doesn't make them feel safe and for a woman, again, like we were talking about having that funnel of expression where we can speak without having judgment or a feedback loop coming from the other end. Sometimes, or a good practice could be to pull out voice memos on your phone and speak into that about all the things that don't make you feel safe mm. or that don't create the container for safety is a better way of saying it. And whether that is like, and getting like really real with yourself too, because ultimately, personally, what doesn't make me feel safe is exiling parts of myself. So what's the opposite of that? Making that part of myself feel welcome and safe in my body. So for me, in my own experience, in my own perception, something that makes me feel or that creates the container for safety is whenever I feel shame or whenever I feel guilt or whenever I feel an emotion that feels sticky, sometimes I can even feel like ecstasy can feel like shameful but whatever's showing up that I feel an innate reaction to exile, I close my eyes. I take a big, deep, like big, deep breaths into my body. And I speak to myself and it could be out loud or in my head. And I say to myself, it's okay that you're here. It's okay that you're here. And I say it until I believe, like I actually feel it in my body, like you were talking about where to the point where it's a felt experience. And then I got you. And then I communicate with that part of myself doing parts work. Um, and, or if I don't want to just get in my head and I just want to freaking move energy, then I express that part of myself. That makes me feel really safe because what we've been conditioned to do is exile and then go to distraction, mm -hmm. exile, go to distraction. So this portion is um, like, it doesn't have to be that complex by any means, but I think that's one of the, like that's really getting to the core of our human experience and how to create safety. And that's one of the ways I do it is, it's okay that you're here. And then once I feel that in my experience, allowing my body, like body, what do you want right now? body what do you need right now how would you express yourself if you were four years old on a plane and fucking mad that you haven't eaten in two hours you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's that makes I mean babies feel safe when or kids feel safe when they feel like a need isn't being met and they express it which calls forth a, a nurturing for that need by their caretaker and now that we're adults, our, care our caretaker is ourselves. So we have to be able to recognize when we feel that that pull to receive something mm. within ourselves. The visualization or the thought that just came through is like a child who wants to authentically express whatever they're feeling in the moment. If the parent or the caretaker in that moment like 
stops them and, and, and shames them or tells them they can't express authentically in that moment, that does create a feeling of unsafety within the child, I would imagine, because mm-hmm. now you're adding a layer of like, oh, I can't, like, it's not okay for me to be me in this moment. Like, I have to be aware of something because there's something wrong with with me and the way that I'm expressing. So I can totally understand how that even translates to the adult version. Like, it's that same inner child wanting to just express authentically in that moment. And that mm-hmm. does create safety. Like, I got you. Like, yeah. That's- and- Go ahead. I was just gonna say that's like the that's the felt experience of I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Yeah. And the one of my clients was actually landing this concept in a deeper way for me. She was expressing like if if the baby doesn't cry, then the mom's not gonna know what the baby needs. And I was like, mm. Whoa. Yeah. That's so cool that you thought of that. And she was just making me laugh so hard. She has this like spicy, dry humor. And she was telling me, I was on this airplane yesterday and there's this baby crying. And I just wanted to go up to the mom and tell her how cool it was that her baby was crying and expressing its needs. And I was like, fuck yeah. Imagine. (laughs) No, but she is someone that would actually do that. And I was just like, you should have. But I love that because it's, it's like when you were expressing that and sharing that visualization, I received that from my mother growing up and she, I think it's like, we, we all receive that to some capacity in different ways as children, this energy of being exiled. And I remember being little and crying and my mom would say, stop crying, stop crying, stop crying. Like it wasn't anything abusive, but it's this felt experience of learning at a small age or at a young age when we are the most susceptible to being traumatized Mm -hmm. that what you're experiencing is not okay. What you're experiencing is embarrassing. What you're experiencing is a threat to me in some way. And it's cool because the other day, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, but the other day my mom I told my mom that I had a rage session and she was like, it makes me so uncomfortable that you do that. And I was like, that's okay. (laughs) And I was like, this really works for me. And it allows me to let whatever I'm experiencing be okay. And she knows what I was mad about. And I was like, isn't that, isn't that angering? Wouldn't you be mad? And she's like, yeah, I would be mad. And I was like, yeah. She's like, I know, but it just makes me uncomfortable that like I, and I'm like, okay, that's, you know, that's your experience. Mm -hmm. And just to be able to like, yeah. And that's like the individualization that we get to do when we do this work is not needing our parents or our partners or other people to do this work with us necessarily. I mean, for partners, it's, it's necessary on some level, but I think the expectation is often super, super high. Like I want you meditating with me every morning and journaling. And I want us to like, just be fully enlightened together. And it's like, Mm -hmm. we all have our own individual paths and it may not like the expectations that we have for others start to dissipate the more we actually do this work because it's like you 
this energy of like, it's okay that you're here within ourselves is reflected into our relationships. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to that concept of like, we are leading others the way that we lead ourselves. So it that's a direct correlation to my experience with my mom is like, which was cool for me to experience because I was literally telling my mom, that's okay that that's your experience. I I totally actually get that experience. Like I get that. And to not look at that and be like, well, why, well, why are you judging me? Well, why, why are you uncomfortable with it? And just getting offended or taking it personally, but it's like my own okayness with her uncomfortability is a reflection of the okayness that I have with my uncomfortability because I'm only ever experiencing myself. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. You said it all comes back and there you go. Leadership leading yourself. And it's a reflection. And it's funny how these concepts just keep coming back in different ways, you know, and that's a really beautiful reflection. I love that. Okay. A couple more who have been some of your greatest teachers or mentors. Nathaniel Solis is such an incredible human. He is, I think because of the timing that I worked with him, it was really like, and that I am still working with him. It It's more profound because I feel like I'm coming or I am coming out of this like cocoon phase and after a traumatic period and you have to like heal all these different parts of yourself or you get the opportunity to do that and you're healing the trauma while simultaneously coming out of this cocoon phase, hopefully much better than you entered it. And so it holds a lot of weight for me, the work that I've done with him. And he's really been such a beautiful space holder for me and a person that has guided me deeply into myself Mm. and has been that pure mirror back into myself. And yeah. He, like, I, it's like, I don't even have words to express how grateful I am for his support. Mm-hmm. And also, um, my original OG mentor who told me to uh, fly across the country to go to my first yoga teacher training. Her name is Jen Silvera. And she was my first yoga teacher. And she just has, she's a nurse as well. And she has such a somatic, beautiful um like so much somatic knowledge and what's happening in the body from like a nursing perspective, but also a spiritual perspective and then like a somatic experiencing perspective. And I've just learned so much from her in a holistic way. And then uh, Baron Baptiste, who was the founder of the Institute that I did all my yoga teacher trainings with. And those have been really, really profound spiritual teachers for me and trauma healing teachers and all of the things that we've talked about, they've ultimately, none of this is actually mine. I mean, sure, because it's been integrated into my physical experience, but like it's, it's been lessons that I've learned through these human beings that have supported me in creating such powerful healing in my life. Mm -hmm. Power of mentorship and seriously learning from other humans. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. If you had one book that you could recommend to everyone, what book would that be? I'm going back and forth between like of all time or like recent ones that I'm going to give like of all time and then recent ones. Okay. So of all time, The Power of Now 
I think is a really incredible one, especially if you're just beginning on your spiritual journey and whatever that looks like for you. And I also think a good disclaimer for that book is if you're just starting, some of those concepts may feel a little extreme. And the invitation I think in that is to take extract the knowledge out of it that you feel is going to support you in your day-to-day life and leave whatever doesn't but the the message in the knowledge of that book is just it's so pure and it's so powerful and it's so simple and it's I love the simplicity of that and then the one that I just had so many insights with recently is the book Becoming by Osria and Benjamin Becker. I haven't heard of and that. psychedelics, sex, um, not like in the party way, but in like their like relationship dynamics and and transformation and healing. And they're just these potent souls who are on such an incredible path of supporting humanity and healing and it's really an incredible story they both tell it so they're um, in the sacred union and their whole path was just accelerated so much like I feel like they created this empire in I I think it was like this crazy amount of time like a year like they they got married they um they created this healing center they fell deeply in love they did multiple like psychedelic ayahuasca LSD journeys together and all of the lessons are a lot of the stuff that we've talked about so far because I feel like there is this universal knowledge in psychedelic medicine where I think my greatest teachers ultimately extracted a lot of their lessons from psychedelics and Mm -hmm. the universal knowledge that's instilled in them but that book is really really incredible if you're looking for personal development, but in a anecdotal form, that's also really spicy. Like the first scene is a sex scene and it's hot and it's beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) Like Like it is a page and I, I'm still like unconditioning all of my like conditioning around books and like Mm -hmm. not being able to choose for so long so I think that I'm naturally a slow reader because of that and I'm trying to rewire that and just like reigniting obsession an obsession with books that I've never really had that book ignited that for me Mm -hmm. for sure it's like a page turner like you want to stay up until 2 a.m to read it it's really good I'm definitely going to get my hands on that I just want to mention too the fact that you have this much knowledge and wisdom and you haven't been reading like crazy is another beautiful way of showing that like the the wisdom the knowledge the all of this can come in other ways like there's there isn't one clear-cut path for any journey and yeah I love the way that we're breaking those paradigms and and just following our own path because it leads exactly to where you need to be so totally yeah Okay, last question before we wrap this up is we kind of talked about this in in different ways throughout the podcast, but if you had to sum it up now, what does coming home to yourself mean to you? There's so many elements that are swirling around in my brain and what rings the most truth is radically accepting all parts of yourself. 
doesn't mean you don't need anyone, doesn't mean you don't, you reject support from others, but just radically accepting all parts of yourself. Because with that comes you, like, realizing when you're trying to be on this healing journey to be whole that you're already whole. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you don't need to do a bunch of shit to feel whole because you're already whole. Yeah. And a lot of people think that if I heal this darkness, then I will be whole. You know, like it's, it's in that, like, but it's, it's kind of like the, um, the reverse hero's journey where it's like, you're on this journey and then only to realize that (laughs) you are whole all along. (laughs) That is such a perfect way of describing this whole journey. It's like, you go on this crazy journey adventure to like find yourself and like become some person and then you just get back to the same spot and you're like oh wait I already am <laughs> I was whole there I was whole there I was yeah. whole there I was whole there I was whole I everywhere wasn't <laughs> it. I wasn't feeling it so beautiful I love that yeah. okay So tell us a little bit about your current offerings, where people can find you, connect with you, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are really interested in your work. Hmm. So you can, as far as Leadership Accelerator, Leadership Accelerator is being put on hold. Enrollment is being put on hold until next February. And in the intermittent period of that, I'm really putting so much of my attention into my one-on-one clients. And that has just really been exciting me to be able to do this work with people in such an in-depth way and also not take a break from the pressure of the group program that is sometimes there and um, while also still giving my one-on-one clients access to my whole like group program as well, like the modules and everything. So my website is taylauren.co, not .com, but taylauren.co. And within that website, you'll be able to see Leadership Accelerator and join the waitlist if you're curious for the February cohort or apply for private coaching with me. And then uh, we didn't even talk about it, but my partner and I are starting a company called Ascend Mushrooms. And for now, that. yeah, for now it's a functional mushroom company. And we are moving to Oregon in several months, um, in the next nine months. And we are looking to get into the psychedelic space and provide medicine for others that is a catalyst for their own healing and coming back home to themselves and also integrating it into my own coaching that I do with my clients as well. So being like, yeah, let's do a three-month container while you microdose for three months and see what happens. <laughs> and just provide that that collision of worlds. So um, Ascend Mushrooms for now. So it's not just like we're selling functional mushroom capsules. I sent you samples, so you know. But there's um, it's mushroom-infused ceremonial-grade matcha blends and cacao blends and everything's organic and it's basically like we have cacao or sorry we have chaga reishi cordyceps and lion's mane in all of our blends and we're looking on adding more and then spices and coconut sugar and it doesn't taste like shit it's 
freaking amazing. So <laughs> I, yeah, I must say that I, I was expecting it to be good, but it like exceeded my expectations. I was like, holy shit, the flavor in both of these yeah. blends is so good. And I know you've gotten that feedback so much, but like, I could not recommend these products enough. They are so nourishing and tasty and just like, mm. like I love to start my, my work day with a warm beverage. And it's so nice to have something that I know is infused with these functional mushrooms as well. So you're getting so many added benefits and then also just like very much enjoying your experience. Cause there mm-hmm. is like a little bit of sweetness, but it's not too sweet. It just comes together very nicely. So I'm really proud of and you guys. It's, they're amazing. Thank you. And then that infused with the microdose is just like, mm-hmm. mm. thank yes. you. Because <laughs> yes. like they're, um, I, I microdose, uh, I've ebbed and flowed with it, the, with the grief that I've moved through recently, because it's such a heart opening space. And I feel like my heart is already cracked open. And so sometimes it can feel just like a little too much because I'm already allowing myself to move through those things. So I don't necessarily need microdosing to support me in that. Mm -hmm. Um, But just like the medicine of the lion's mane with the focus and the cordyceps for performance and the reishi for the groundedness and just accessing these different parts of our consciousness with these plants is such an interesting and cool concept. And um, I was telling you before we pressed record but just like our apartment has turned into a literal factory (laughs) facility (laughs) and um, we're officially launching in January so all of our sales so far have been in the pre-launch period and we've just completely blown up like getting overwhelmed with the amount of orders that are coming in every day and it's such a cool feeling because I'm like we haven't even launched yet and Right now, between now and January, we're kind of just um, uh, like we're getting all the packaging and the stickers and the business cards and the info cards and mm-hmm. and the website and everything cultivated. Um, but we're still selling products just for to get feedback and to like make fine attunements. And it's just been such an incredible process to create something that's so different than Leadership Accelerator or my one-on-one containers. It's like such a physical experience, Mm -hmm. which I really, I really, really like because when I don't feel like doing this, like the content creation is like, it takes up a lot of energy where I have to be in a certain space, but with creating the blends, it's like put on my gloves, sanitize everything, lip put on amazing music and just like make the make the blends that we make and it's just such a it's a physical experience that provides Mm -hmm. so much liberation so there's a lot of freaking love in all of the blends (laughs) yeah and that is that is a potent medicine and it comes through I think in everything that you guys do and I'm so proud (laughs) of you guys for you know, taking, taking something that's been such a medicine for me and for you and for so many and infusing it into a product that is more accessible to people because that just shows your commitment to not just the work that you do, but also to helping the consciousness evolve, helping humans heal on a way that is a little bit more gentle and a 
you know, it's just, it's a nice, it's nice to see that you're willing to, to put in the effort to get this product in the hands of others. And it's just so intentional and that is really felt. So yeah, it's awesome. And I can't, I didn't even know you guys hadn't officially launched yet. Like it's, it's going so well, it seems like, and um, I'm excited to see where, where it all goes. So yeah. Awesome. Okay. So, and then what's your Instagram handle? Is it also Tay? It's Tay Lauren Co. So my website, my website is taylauren.co. My Instagram is Tay Lauren Co. T-A-Y-L-A-U-R-E-N-C-O. And then Ascend's Instagram page is Ascend Mushrooms, A-S-C-E-N-D, and then Mushrooms. All right. Awesome. So everyone go follow Tay. She is just a beautiful human, a beautiful soul with just such a wealth of knowledge and information and wisdom. And it really comes through in all of your posts and everything that you share on social media. So I'm so grateful that OCA connected us and that, yeah, it just feels like, again, like I've known you for a long time and I'm really grateful that we had this conversation too, because selfishly I have been looking to like, like wanting to connect deeper with you and you live in Texas. I live in Colorado. Like, you know, that in-person meetup hasn't happened yet. Although when it will, I know it'll be fucking awesome, but yeah, I'm just excited um, to share this conversation because it's been so potent and so powerful and so beautiful. And it has also given me the satisfaction of like getting to know you better and having this like really meaningful conversation that I that I just love so thank you thank you Lily yeah I just got goosebumps all over my body because all of that resonated and I it's been so beautiful to watch the journey that you've been on in which is as you know very similar to mine like I went into health coaching in the beginning and then I got deepen it to the point where I realized ah, there's something so much deeper than this and like a bigger impact that I can make through this and I remember you coming to me with that insight and us sharing those similar experiences and then just watching your path over the past year watching you kind of go into the cocoon phase and in a in the initiation integrating everything that you were learning and I remember literally talking to you about I know that there's going to be this period because I'm choosing to do this, that I am going to be initiated into some sort of transformation myself. So just watching that whole process happen and being involved in that whole process in some way has been so precious and so cool. And I'm really proud of your evolution. And it's just so cool to see everything that you've done. Thank you so much. I feel yeah. you. And I'm so grateful to have the support and to feel so seen and so supported by you, even though our friendship is just beginning, it feels like, or yeah. doesn't feel like that, but it, that's technically what's happening. And so yeah. again, it just goes to show that like, if you're willing to be seen, then the right people will, will see that. And yeah, I'm just excited to see what, what else we create, what else we are here to bring and, um, yeah, all, all the good things that are coming. I'm I'm really grateful and excited to see your journey evolve as well with Ascend and with, with you in general. So thank you again. And um, yeah, <laughs> I guess this marks the end of a very beautiful, very long conversation. Go follow Tay, go ask her all the questions, get involved and we will...